Well, good morning, church. Y'all sounded really good this morning. So classic service, I'm sure you sounded just as great. Welcome. Uh, We're glad to have you here. If you're a guest with us today, we are so glad to have you and want you to feel welcome. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here at Austin Oaks Church. And just to let you know a little bit about us here at Austin Oaks Church, uh, we desire that everything be about Jesus here. And our, our hope is always to help you meet know and follow him. So whether it's our message today and our worship, pointing to him and helping you see him, or the ministries that take place throughout the week, everything is helping you to connect and and walk and follow Jesus. So we're glad to have you here this morning. We'll have more information for you as the service goes on. So so funny story, Um, Brandon was supposed to preach this Sunday. Uh, some of you know this. Some of the elders are here. They already have, they have some hooks to pull me off if things get a little crazy. But Brandon texted me at about 8.14 last night and said, Chad, I'm really sick, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to preach tomorrow. And I said, hey, if it was before 8, I'd be okay, but after 8 o'clock, I'm done. You can't, you can't do this. So anyways, he says, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it. Can you have something ready for tomorrow? And he was going to send me his notes, but if you have ever seen Brandon's notes, yeah, you're laughing over there. You can't make any sense of what he's got written down. So I said, I'll just, I'll just figure out something myself. So uh, anyways, he came in this morning thinking he could maybe push through, and he let me know about 8.30 this morning. He says, okay, I, I don't think I can do it. He left, went to a doctor, and was diagnosed with covid Uh, this morning. So pray for him. He's feeling pretty rough right now, just a lot of the flu symptoms and achiness, but his heart was to be here. He had a kind of a special message specifically that he'd been talking about for a while to share with the church today. And I just felt like telling him, saying, Brandon, wait till you're feeling better and you can bring, bring that message. So instead you have me. So this will help everyone. If you just lower your expectations, we'll, we'll all leave here a lot happier this morning. So let, let me tell you, give you a little context of where I want to go today. We've been in the Christmas season coming out of that. So the early stories of Jesus, the birth, all those kinds of things. And Brandon's going to be preaching uh, in the Gospels about several um, messages or interactions or dinner table in, in experiences with Jesus in the next several weeks. A great message and series that we're coming into. So I thought, okay, I'm going to stick with the theme of the Gospels. I'm going from the childhood of Jesus or the birth of Jesus to that. And so I found this passage in the, in the Gospel of Luke that's the only passage in the, in the Bible that tells us anything about Jesus' childhood. I don't know if you've ever read this. Probably you've heard this story before. So I thought, well, I'll just pick that story and see what we can glean from it. And, and I think you're going to find it's very fascinating. So if you have your Bible with you, I'll point you there, and then we're going to pray, and we'll kind of jump in. But Luke chapter 2 we're going to look at verses 41 through 52 today, the story of Jesus and his parents going to Jerusalem uh, and then leaving and him getting left behind uh, in, that, in that story and see what we can learn from it. There's actually some really rich truths. I only have two points. I didn't have time to, to create a three-point message, so you got two today. That's all you're going to get. So you can get a partial refund on your way out uh, for the difference, but that's all you're going to get from me today, all right? So Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. It'll be on the screen as well. You can follow along if you don't have your Bible with you or or, are familiar with where that book is. Uh, Follow along with us on the screen. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into uh, this truth today. 
Father God, uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the truths we have uh, written in music and how that um, just rumbles in our hearts and is so easy to remember, to remind us of how great you truly are and who you are in creating all things, Lord. And in the midst of your greatness, um, you humbled yourself in the person of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, you took on human flesh, stepping out of the glories of heaven. You became a baby. And even today, we're going to see a glimpse that you were a child. You walked through the same kinds of things that we did as a child. And yet you never sinned. You always trusted your heavenly Father in every single circumstance you were in. And as a result, you were capable and willing to redeem us broken and sinful people. Lord, none of us would be here. None of us would be worthy to be here were it not for your sacrifice. And we accept that righteous life that you lived on our behalf as you took our sins upon yourself. So Jesus, help us this morning uh, to learn a little bit about what you desire of us as we look at your childhood and the richness and truths that show up in every page of scripture. And I pray you'll speak to each person's heart here this morning and the spirit will quicken it to uh, be effective in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bad timing can ruin the best of intentions. In fact, when to do something is often just as important as what you need to do. And today we're going to look at a story that communicates that. We're going to examine this unique story in the life of Jesus because it's the only story recorded about his childhood. We get the birth narratives and then the rest of the Gospels really jump to the point where he was 30 years old and kind of began his ministries. But this is one little snapshot we get Uh, of Jesus' childhood and experience in his childhood. And I believe, uh, according to the scriptures and what I know about God's word, that every single story in the Bible, every truth in the Bible, is put there for a very specific reason. When the authors of the Gospels recorded their events they recorded, they were written by humans, but they were guided and inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. And so, Anything that they put down was there because God specifically wanted these truths in the scriptures. So we're going to look at this unique little story today, and I think from it, you're going to gain some truths that will challenge you much deeper than we'd ever imagine looking at a story about kids or Jesus in his childhood. In fact, you're going to see some significant truths, two of them, I think, that most of us struggle to believe. And even more so, obey. Two principles that that I think lie in a a concept that's very pertinent to us in the new year of of how do I know God's timing for things in my life? How how do I understand God's timing in my life? And these two truths that we'll see from this passage, from this story, from Jesus' life, will help you discern God's timing in your life. Anyone want to know what God's timing? Anyone a little frustrated maybe at times or just going like, God, what's up? Your timing is so much different than mine. We often want to know things in advance. And instead, God just wants us to trust and obey in the journey. And so here's two truths that if you will incorporate these into your life, 
you will better understand God's timing in your life. If you reject these truths, and they're not easy truths to understand. In fact, the one I'm going to hover on is really difficult for us as Western Christians. Just people in general, but us as Western Christians in particular. And I think it's why all the time we hear people say, I just want to know God's timing. I just want to, we want this special little drop of his timing down or his will in our lives. We just want to drop down because we don't want to do what he's asked us to do, obey him and trust him and allow it to be revealed in his perfect timing. So I want to encourage you this morning to let this wrestle in your heart a little bit. Think about these truths and ask yourself, do I want a different 2023 and more peace and understanding and trust for God's timing in my life. So Luke 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Let's read them together and then we'll dive into these two truths. 41 says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. That's kind of what all of our kids, right? When you leave them at home and go out, you don't miss your kids at first, but then after, I'm kidding. But, but this sounds crazy. You're going like, how do they not know their kids were with them? They would have traveled in large caravans then, and oftentimes the men and animals and some things could be up front or the women could be up front with them, and the men would hang out behind, kind of protecting, because a lot of times criminals or people would kind of attack from behind. And so they created these little caravans, and there would have been a lot of them. And, and you can imagine just like at a family reunion or something, how the adults kind of gather in one area and the kids are kind of in the other area. Same thing would happen in these caravans. All the kids would probably be playing and doing their thing in a certain area and they just assumed everyone was keeping an eye on each other's kids. And somehow in the midst of that, Jesus never made it into the caravan. So it's not that they were bad parents, it just, it happens, right? But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. Now, this is common in their day that a 12-year-old boy was the youngest age you could be to kind of begin to connect with a rabbi and, and, and start your teaching in some of your lessons. So this wasn't out of the cultural in terms of that happening, but that was what was going on. And it said, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't, show, didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So let me pull these two truths out. The first one kind of comes within the whole story up to when they interact with Jesus. And I'll give you the principle first, and then we'll kind of look at how it fleshes out or where it's coming from in this passage. So this is about timing. So in order to understand God's timing in my life, the first thing I need to understand is God's purpose for my life. If I want to understand God's timing in my life, 
I need to understand God's purpose for my life. And Jesus understood that. He knew this was a time he could be there with the the religious leaders and and start teaching, but he also knew he was still a child and he wasn't old enough to become a teacher or rabbi and and he was God. He knew that would be later on in his life at the age of 30, that would happen and that's when his ministry came. But he also knew what his purpose was so it helped him understand timing. See, a lack of purpose leads to bad timing. Lack of purpose in our lives will lead to bad timing in a whole lot of different areas in our life. You know, we just got done with Christmas, and I was reflecting. We have all older kids now, high school up to 28 years old. But uh, when their kids were young, one of the things, at least our older three, when they were young, I remember we used to, and, and, and don't shame me for this, but we used to sometimes share with one of the kids what we had gotten for one of the other kids. Just kind of, oh, yeah, we got this for Tanner or, or Christian getting this daily. We'd, we'd do that. But after some military uh, uh, intelligence and CIA operatives came to us and said, hey, there's information that's being leaked in your family. <laughs> and we came to realize that all these things were being shared with everyone. And so when it came to Christmas morning, they were having to fake like they were excited and, and were anticipating what was going on. Like, it was, we'd missed the purpose. See, the purpose, it wasn't that there was anything bad about them knowing. There's no moral problem with them knowing what their presents were. But unless you know the purpose of Christmas, unless you know that part of that purpose is this idea of anticipation, that's the whole point of wrapping. It's, it's reenacting the anticipation of a Savior coming. And we lost that purpose, and as a result, We had bad timing, and that bad timing was ruining the whole point of wrapping the presents and going through that. Uh, This is common in in all kinds of areas in our lives, dating and marriage in our society. I think this is a huge problem that we have, how we date and how we get get engaged. We don't understand why, what the purpose of marriage is, or even dating. If we understood dating's purpose, Maybe we'd be more careful about how and when we engaged in it because dating is supposed to be a preparation for marriage, for a great commitment. But yet, we just kind of jump into dating whenever and we go through so many different relationships that all we ever really learn from dating is that relationships don't last. And so we have 20 relationships that didn't last and then suddenly we think we're gonna have one that lasts for the rest of our lives. You see, when you don't understand the purpose of something, you'll have bad timing in terms of when you engage it. One of the things we tried to encourage all of our kids with that is saying, hey, when you feel like you're ready to settle down and and get married, that's a great time to start considering someone that you'd want to date. Like when you're in middle school and you're dating, like I dated in middle school. My parents never told me this. I was a total idiot. In fact, majority of my relationships I was a total idiot in all through that season. And you think, well, Chad, come on, that's just what we do. You know what? You don't have a kid start driving a car when they're three years old because, you know, eventually they're going to have their license. Let them try when they're three. Let them try when they're six. The DMV says you can start practicing driving at 15 in preparation for when you're going to drive at 16. Now, now, let me just say this, but... When the DMV is smarter than we are as Christians in preparation, that's a low bar, people. (laughs) You see, when you don't know your purpose, 
you're going to struggle knowing good timing. Becoming a parent. When you practice bad timing when it comes to sexual practices in your life. When you don't understand the purpose God gave us for something that's a great gift, but the purpose in terms of how it's to be used and when it's to be used. When you don't know the purpose of it, you're going to have really bad timing. And as a result, it can create all kinds of difficulties and problems in your life. Stewardship. How we handle our money. Bad purpose or not understanding the purpose of stewardship and how it's an act of trust towards God will cause you to have really bad timing in your stewardship practices. You'll start purchasing things that you don't have the money for and it'll lead you into all kinds of debt that will hinder your purpose. But when you understand the purpose of stewardship about trusting God to provide what you really need, you'll have better timing and you'll experience that blessing. Maybe it's your career. See, when you reject God's timing or purpose for your career, when you don't know what your purpose is in your career and you just think, I gotta be here, I gotta be there, rather than saying, God has given me the skill to glorify him and bring attention to him in my workplace, wherever that might be, and you trust him with that purpose, ultimately, rather than you thinking, no, I gotta climb to this pot. I have my goals and that's my dream and that's my purpose. You will have really bad timing and you will hurt people in the process as you try to climb the ladder and step on other people's lives or be bitter when someone else gets a promotion that you felt you deserve. You see, if you don't know your purpose, you'll struggle with timing all the time. Jesus knew his purpose, and it gave him good timing. The second thing we see in this passage is this. Uh, in, in verse 30, or excuse me, 51, it says, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. This is his parents. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. My second point for you that that helps us understand God's timing in our lives, it, it requires that we accept God's earthly authority in our lives. If you want to understand God's timing in your life, you need to learn to accept his earthly authority in your life. This is Jesus, people. And at that moment, it says he went home and he submitted or he was obedient to his parents. Think of of that. Jesus, the one who made all things and who sustains all things and is in all things and for whom all things have been created, is now submitting to the very creation that he made. Because his timing and the Father's timing in his life was absolutely imperative as well. And he understood to submit to the very truths that God had given them, children obey your parents and the Lord, was going to ultimately reveal the Father's timing in Jesus' life as well. Be kind of like Mike McCarthy, the Dallas Cowboys coach, becoming the assistant coach on your flag football, your son's flag football team, right? Coming down saying, hey, I'm just going to be an assistant. You tell me what you want. You want me to go get the water bottles? You want me to go get the cones? You want me to grab the flags? Like, that's crazy to think that he would come down and submit to you and your son's flag football coach games. It would be nuts. 
But that doesn't even come close to comparing what Jesus did in this singular act of obeying. God never requires us to violate his truth in order to accomplish our purpose. But there's all kinds of examples of of us not submitting to authority, the earthly authority in our lives, and it resulting in us missing God's timing. Think of Moses when he first thought he should lead the Israelites. When he first kind of came to understand who he was, he was 40 years old and he was a, a leader in Pharaoh's court uh, in Egypt. And he, he's finally kind of connected who he was with the Israelites who were enslaved. And, and there's a situation where one of the Egyptian soldiers was beaten up on an Israelite and he thought he'd just jump in and take charge. And he jumped in and, and basically started beating up the Egyptian soldier and eventually killed him and thought, hey, this is going to establish me as a leader over my people. I'll establish myself like that and, and I'll lead them out of here. And they freaked out on him. Everyone freaked out and they told the Pharaoh and then they chased him and he basically ran for 40 years. He lived in the wilderness after that because of trying to do it his own way, not submitting to the authority or the ways in which things should be done, even in that culture. And it took 40 years before God brought him back to lead his people out. Israel rejected Moses' authority in their lives, and they missed the timing of the promised land. They didn't listen to the earthly authority that God had given them and Moses when he said it's time to go into the promised land. They wouldn't listen. They rejected it, and as a result, they wandered for 40 years. That whole generation died off. You want a phenomenal truth in Scripture? Let let, let this just rest for a moment. God is an incredibly forgiving God. In fact, if you go back and read that story, you'll see when they repented the next day and asked for God's forgiveness, he said, I do forgive you, but you will never step foot in the promised land. This generation will never see the promised land. Here's something that we need to grasp as Christians about timing. When we disobey God, you miss out on rewards and blessings that he would have had for you had you trusted him the first time. Don't think that just being forgiven gives you back everything that you would have had if you had obeyed the very first time. They missed out on the promised land. They missed a huge blessing for them because they were stiff-necked. And it wasn't their first time disobeying. They had a history of it. And at this point, God said, that's enough. I forgive you, but you lose that blessing. Church, this is so important. When we reject God's authority in our lives through human instruments that he has put in our lives, We force our agenda and our timing onto our lives. And we reject the goodness of God's perfect timing, even in difficult situations. David, King David's a a wonderful example too. In fact, a lot of his story comes to light and is more interesting when you understand this. David was anointed as the king, the next king as a very young boy. But it was years and years before he ever became king. And in the midst of that, he submitted to Saul and served Saul, even though Saul was a horrible king. 
David understood that God's timing would bring it about. In fact, when he had the opportunity to kill Saul, this bad king, he said, never would I kill the Lord's servant whom he had put in that place. Wow. David understood that if I want to understand and, and grasp God's timing, I need to accept the earthly authorities that he has put in my life and know that God is using them to shape me and prepare me for what he has. Daniel, very much similar. Daniel served in a a pagan court for a couple different pagan courts, Medo-Persia and and Babylon, horrible things. And and he submitted and, and served faithfully and knew his boundaries and knew how to do that all through those times. He didn't try to create some kind of revolt and do things in his own way. He's a great example of waiting on God's timing, and as a result, God used him mightily. And this is not to say, hear me, church, this is not to say that all earthly authority is good or perfect. I'm not saying that at all, because it's not true. It's to say that even bad earthly authority is used by God to prepare us for his purpose and his timing, regardless. Let me say that again. Not all earthly authority is good. But God uses them in our lives to prepare us for his purpose and his timing. We don't like to hear that as humans, period. We we have a natural bent in us that rebels against those in authority over us. But we as Americans, we have like an additional helping of that. Like we're the most individualistic and it's all about me and I deserve this and no one's going to stop me. That's a huge issue in our lives to accept and submit to the authorities that God has given us in our lives. See, your struggle to accept your parents' authority, if that's where you're at, is God's tool to reveal his will and timing to you. If you're here and you're living at home and you have parents, your struggle to accept your parents' authority in your life is God's tool to prepare you for his purpose and his timing in your life. You buck against it, and you're going to miss out on things that God wants to bless you with. Your struggle to accept authority in your workplace, your bosses or your direct reports, any of those things, when you push against that or you reject that or you complain against it, you are bucking against the very tool that God is using to prepare you for his timing and his purpose in your life. No one should be a better employee than a Christian. No one should complain saying, man, they're always kind of doing their own thing. Only... They should go, this guy is, or this gal is the best employee I got. Everything I ask, they do. And I'm not saying to do immoral things. I'm saying whatever is asked within the realm of your job, you should be the one to step up and say, I'll do that. Your struggle to accept God's Authority in our society is rejecting God's tool to reveal his purpose and his timing in your life. Same is true in your church. You have spiritual authorities in your church. And God has given them for your own good. And when you reject their leadership and their authority in your lives, you reject God's purpose and timing for your life. So what does this result in? 
Look at how this thing ends. We'll look at this last picture because it points to a hugely important truth in this passage. Verse 52 gives us the results. What happened in Jesus' life when he submitted to his parents who were imperfect in this world? It says, Jesus grew, in verse 52, in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. See, this wasn't just Jesus' M.O. in this moment when he was a child. It was how he operated through his whole life. He modeled this principle perfectly. And accepting God's timing uh, results in wisdom from God and favor with God and with people. When you do this, when you submit yourself and you accept the authorities in your life, when you understand your purpose and you operate within it, you will find that you will have favor with God. You'll gain wisdom, this, the, the, not this world's wisdom, but God's wisdom in ways you never thought you could because it forces you to develop trust in God's bigger plan, not man's plan, not your plan. See, the ultimate example of this comes at the end of Jesus' life. His greatest test of trusting God and his timing was by submitting to earthly authority in his life. In fact, we we see this as a picture. I want to paint this maybe three snapshots where we see this with Jesus. It started here. This is, I think, why this story is in here is we get a snapshot of Jesus and we see even as a child, he lived in this way. He submitted to the Father's will, and that looked like submitting to the parents that God had given him. But, but there's other times that, that led to him understanding God's timing. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, out in the desert, that's just another snapshot right at the beginning of his ministry. It's kind of the next time we see him kind of come on the scene after this childhood is he's immediately tested. And you know what he's tested with by the devil in each of those situations? Three temptations he has. He has a a stone he could turn to bread because he'd been fasting for 40 days. And and there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you haven't eaten in 40 days, doctors tell you that your body is starting to eat itself at that point. Like you're on the verge of death. And, And he needed something to eat. And the devil just said, hey, you deserve something to eat. Just turn this stone into bread. It was just about him being personally satisfied in a healthy way. The problem wasn't what the devil was tempting him with. The problem was the timing of it. And Jesus understood his father's timing for him. And he submitted to his father's will and said no to something that was a good thing. There's nothing morally wrong with that. It was wrong because it was the wrong timing. The the devil showed him a couple other things. He took him on the temple and showed him everything and said, you you can have glory over all these things. He was going to give him power and glory if you just bow down to me. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, Jesus was going to get that anyways. That was part of his purpose was to have all power and glory and everyone submit to him. So the devil wasn't offering him anything that he wasn't already going to have. The problem was the devil was doing it on his timing and Jesus was waiting on his father's timing. He said, took him up on the temple and said, throw yourself down and, and angels will, will, get, you know, will capture you and keep you from being 
you know, hurt. And now that Graydon's hugely famous, there have been tons of people around. If he jumped down and did that, all the people would have was flocked to Jesus and he would have been super popular and, and they would have worshipped him. And, and that was going to happen for him anyways. There'll be a point where every single knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that was not the time. Jesus submitted to his father. And as a result, he understood his perfect timing for him. And ultimately, he did the same thing at his death. Maybe no more powerful spot reveals this in there. When, when Jesus, in the Gospel of John, this is recorded in, in the 19th chapter, you can read it there, but Jesus is being tried uh, by Pilate and Herod. He's got back and forth, but he's there with Pilate at this moment, and Pilate says this to him. He says, Jesus, he, he doesn't want to crucify him. He said, I don't find anything wrong with him, and, and, and they just keep yelling, crucify, crucify, and he says, says to Jesus, because Jesus is just silent here at this moment. He says, Jesus, do you not realize that I have the authority to set you free or to crucify you? That was the earthly, God-given authority that Pilate had at that moment. And he spoke that to Jesus. And here was Jesus' response. Pilate, you have no authority over me except what has been given to you from above. And then Jesus exercised his power and had a huge revolt and wiped them all out and took his people out with him, right? <laughs> no. Then Jesus submitted to an ungodly, unruly, earthly ruler and revealed in the most glorious possible way God's purpose and timing in his life. Church, the death and resurrection of Jesus came through the humble submission of Jesus to his perfect trust in God's timing. He submitted to earthly rulers, those in authority over him, and God used that very submission to bring about the greatest victory this world has ever known. We call this the gospel. Paul says the gospel is the wisdom of God, but it's foolish to us humans. What I'm saying to you is absolutely foolish. If you tell this to your friends, hey, submit to those in authority over you, even if they're unruly, even if they're, we're going to say, no, I'm going to push back. I, I deserve this, or I'm a, I deserve better treatment. I, I deserve, it's all about me. But when you follow Jesus, it's not just about you. It's ultimately about him first. And guess what? He's also going to call you to give yourself up for the sake of others. Because he's not nearly as concerned of, of, of the great kingdom that you build here on this earth because it's going to be gone in a heartbeat. He's more concerned with the kingdom you're building with him. And when you follow God's purpose and you trust 
the authorities that he's brought in your life, you will experience his timing in ways you've never understood. So let me get really per- personal for a moment. See, some of you are here and you're struggling with God's timing in your life. Probably a lot of us. Part of your struggle may be you haven't taken the time to actually figure out what is my purpose. And maybe you haven't even taken that step to realize that God created you for a purpose. See, if you've rejected that truth, then you really don't have anywhere to go with this. Because if we're just an accident, if we're just a bunch of atoms that have collided together in a randomly favorable way, then there is absolutely no purpose to this world. And everything I said today, you should reject. You have no purpose. So life has no purpose. Just wander. But if you believe there's a God who shaped you and created this incredibly intricate world, then you need to find out what is his purpose for me before you ever ask what's God's timing in my life. Finding his purpose for you is ultimate. But I want to touch on this second thing. Frequently, I've found practically our greatest struggle with God's timing is against the authority that God has placed in our life. Rather than humbly submitting to them as God's tool for revealing his timing, we buck against them and constantly view them as the hindrance in our lives to God doing the things that he wants to do, as if they can somehow hinder what God wants to do. If God was able to use sinful, fallen, earthly authorities in Jesus' life to reveal his perfect timing and will, I think he can do so in ours as well. Let me ask you this. What authority in your life are you struggling with right now? What authority are you kicking against? Are you complaining against? Are you pushing against? Because in doing so, you are pushing against the very timing of God's work in your life. Church, God has called us to be a people who reflect his character in our community. And if submitting to authority reflects his character, which it does, maybe more than any other thing in Jesus' life, that was one of the most powerful moments he had. If that reflects Jesus' life, then we need to be about that. I have to believe it's our best way as well. No one else has had more influence on humankind than Jesus has. No one. Jesus never held a powerful office. He was never a CEO. He didn't have any great coming out party and all the social media stuff publicizing him. He never had any of the things that we deem as being absolutely vital to influence others. So what made him so different? This did. Jesus lived so counterculture to the world's ways that even when he was physically gone, his life has impacted society more than any other person in this world. Even if you don't accept him as God, you cannot deny him as being the most influential person in all of history. There's no way to explain that. 
unless this is true. Imagine the influence you could have if you accepted this truth in your life. Imagine the influence we could have as a church if we were known as a church body and had people that were that humble and that purposeful in how we lived and how that would ripple through the workplaces that we're in and the neighborhoods that we're in and the places that we do our hobbies. That's what Jesus has called us to this year. And if you want to know his timing in your life, he's given you a perfect example and two beautiful truths to experience it. Let's pray. Father God, you always know how to get to our heart. I never cease to be amazed that You can't open up this book and find any page on it that doesn't somehow reveal your glory and goodness and our brokenness and sinfulness. And yet, in the midst of that, you show that you are calling out a people for yourself. That you humbly sent your son. And Jesus, you willingly submitted to the Father. I can't even picture that moment when you were on the cross and and crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When God himself, the Father, was smiting you and, and pouring out the wrath that sin deserved on you, Jesus, you humbly took that for the glory of your Father and for our good, so our sins could be forgiven. So Lord, may that truth transform us to be a people who trust your timing by knowing our purpose and submitting to those whom you've put in our lives and given authority. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen.